can move a mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. All my fears and failures And fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender I surrender all
before you now. You know our needs and our wants and our desires, but we come with praise and thanksgiving for all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Continue to teach us, Lord, that what you have given us is what we should be satisfied with. We bring our gifts to you now, Lord, our love gifts, just a small portion of the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. We ask that you take these gifts and use them for your mighty glory. And teach us that not only the mission field is far away, but the mission field is right next door. We love you, Lord. Be with us. Amen. Um, the other night we had our talent show, and actually this group um, is a group of boys. This is Bailey and Austin and Bowen and Clay Lamb. 
he's not their normal guitar player. Their guitar player couldn't be here this morning. But um, uh, they played the other night at the talent show and did a great job. And actually, I'll back up a few months, weeks. And uh, they came to me and said they want to put together a band. And, and, uh, and I said, well, I'll, I'll help you guys get started. And they have done such a good job. And the wonderful thing is, is they wanted to play Jesus music. So I said, okay, do what you need to do and do what you want to do, what God wants you to do. So uh, they're going to share with you this morning. Y'all enjoy them. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your name When the sun shining down on me When the world's all as it should be Blessed be your name Blessed be your name When the road's marked with suffering For the pain and the offering Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, and blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and blessed be your glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
not listed in our bulletin, but it's important. John Ferrer and Margaret Treadway, I think, are going on a mission trip to Peru in about a week. And uh, just a brief faith story, we asked John to come and share a little bit about that and how we can pray for them. I'll try to be brief. Um, I'm used to speaking for 50 minutes to my class, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, about organic chemistry, so I won't bore you with that. Um, I thought I'd give you a little history of the Peru um, of the Peru mission. The reason I'm here is because in a week, um, a week from today, I'll be traveling into the mountains of Peru. And um, missions is a, is a passion for me. And, um, shoot. The reason we're there is because God is working in the Yakus Valley of Peru. And when God is working, that's where I want to be. And um, the history of the, of the Peru mission is that um, about six or seven years ago, uh, a pastor in, in Canada started um, going to the Yakus Valley, realized that God was working, and um, a group from the Mount Baptist Association joined with that group, and now we're, we've branched off and we're doing our own mission trips uh, uh, to, to Peru. And so we're going up to Hauha, and in Hauha, it's a city about the size of Tifton, um, has modern conveniences like Tifton, so there's cable TV and there's uh, high-speed internet and there's all that kind of stuff. But, and there's a few Baptist churches. There's one main Baptist church in, in, uh, in Hauha. But the villages outside of Hauha have no church, no church at all. And uh, there's believers there. There are about 20 believers in Holcon and about 20 believers in, in Molinos. Um, the, the previous trips we've been making have been focused on evangelism, and that is we want to tell people about, about Jesus and, and uh, move them uh, uh, towards taking that that step of faith, um, now the the mission is changing. It's changing to one of um, of discipleship, and this is um, something that we have that we have wanted to do that that we've that we've been doing kind of as a as a as a part of the of the previous trips. But now this trip is all about discipleship, moving those those believers into actually being a church and it's not, of course it's not going to be a church like we think church it's going to be a house church um, where people that are new Christians will be leading uh, other Christians in, in discipleship and so part of what we want to do is to train those um, train those new believers so that they uh, know what it is to be a church uh, and so our, one of our goals is to meet with them all week long and then eventually have a church service, hopefully about Thursday um, of next week, uh, so that so that we can have a have a church meeting in both of those places. Um, 
And so the mission really is changing uh, to, to one of discipleship. And again, God is working there. Um, we have seen uh, some, some fruits. Um, we, have, we have worked with the people, developed relationships. And I think now is the time when we can really uh, move to, um, to getting a, a real church established uh, in, the, in those areas. Um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to share with you is um, is a passage from Isaiah. Isaiah 52, 7. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't think about my feet as being beautiful. You know, my, my family is blessed with ugly feet. <laughs> they're bony, and they're skinny, and they're, they're just plain ugly. Um, but this passage says... How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And that's what I hope to do. If you look at my feet, they're not pretty, but they're beautiful. And I just ask you to think about that. Are your feet beautiful? Are you taking the good news of salvation? And the only way for that to happen is for God to act, for God to work. Not for me. This, this is not about me. It's not about us. It's about God working and us joining that. And I'm blessed to do that. I look around and I see God working here in Tifton. There's a lot of actions going on here where, where God is working. And I just ask that as, as you look around, be sensitive to that and join that. Join that work um, because he is acting. He's acting here. He's acting in Peru. Look for those places. A message on prayer. You know, and, and I wish when you prayed and God answered prayer, everything would be perfect all the time. But that's not the way it is. And, and John, you can see in his own heart how when God answers prayer, it places a burden upon him so much so that he cannot rest and, and sit at home any longer, but he has to go and tell. It's, the passage is from Genesis 25, 19 through 26. <clears throat> the sermon's entitled The Challenge of answered prayer. What happens when God answers our prayer and it's not exactly what we expected, when it doesn't turn out the way we thought it should? These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took to wife Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why do I live? In other words, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger." 
When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came forth red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth. His hand was taken hold of, had taken hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So he was 40 years old when he began praying, 60 years old when she bore them. It was a 20-year period of prayer and, and waiting on the Lord in, that, in the meantime. And when the Lord answered his prayer, it was difficult. Let's pray. Father, as we come here this morning, we believe in the power of prayer. But in our simple minds, we think we know how everything ought to work out. But when you answer prayer, you see so much further than we. And you know what's best for us. And so when we pray, Lord, we just ask that you would take our prayers and temper them with your wisdom. And if you have something better in mind for us, that's what we desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a problem for Christians. What if you pray for something and it's answered, and then like so many other things that come in life, you find out it's not what you wanted after all. I mean, isn't that true in life? You want something, you go and get it, and you, you bring it home, and it doesn't satisfy you, or it's not something that you really anticipated. Well, what happens when that is an answered prayer, something that you've prayed for? Isaac and Rebecca were married for 20 years, no children. Isaac prays, and Rebecca conceives, and you would think that would be it. She conceives, and and man, I could do a sermon from that on answered prayer and wax eloquently on it. And we could talk about answered prayer, but but that is not exactly what happens. Things begin to get interesting here. Because Rebecca is pregnant not with one child, but with twins, and the twins are fighting each other in the womb. They're struggling. Verse 22, the children, children struggle together within her, and basically she says, if... If this is what's happening, then why am I living? Why is this happening to me? And, and I think that happens a lot in our lives. I want something, I pray for it, I get it, I don't want it anymore. Has that ever happened to you? My uncle wanted a big old luxury car. And uh, he had kids in college, he had a, a mortgage to pay, he had a lot of expenses and so every year when the new models came out, he would go down to the showroom and, and look at the cars and, and smell the leather and rub the dashboard and get out and go home. And he did that for several years until finally the mortgage was paid and the kids had graduated from college. And he was still working, had a decent income, so he went down to the dealership and he bought a car, a 68 Cadillac, and brought it home. That thing got seven miles per gallon. Um, When it was cold, it wouldn't crank. When it was hot, it overheated. And he kept it in the shop uh, more than half the time, the first six months that he had it. Um, After a year, he sold it and got got another. He had a Ford Fairlane. He got another one of those. And he always said the two happiest days in his life were the day he bought his car and the day he sold it. That's the way it is so often. We have a, a thing, I think, in contracts now called buyer's remorse. For large things like a house or something like that, you have, what, three days to change your mind and, uh, 
and back out. Um, contra- a lot of contracts include that clause now. In, in uh, golf, it's called a mulligan. Is that right? I don't play golf, but, but Bill Hughes says you can have a mulligan on every hole. So I don't know, but it's, it's a do-over. And if you hit a bad shot, you can, you can do another one. There are not many mulligans in life. Um, I had a friend at Samford, I'll never forget this, really made an impact on me. And her parents were divorced, and, and we were pretty good friends. And, and so one day she told me the story. She said her mom had met this guy in college and fell in love with him and, and, and just basically prayed every day of her life that, that he would ask her to marry him. And he did. And it turned out to be the most unhappy marriage you could imagine. And they ended up getting divorced. And I was, you know, I was thinking, you know, I thought prayer was supposed to solve problems. I thought prayer was supposed to make things easier when God answers prayer. But it seems like a lot of times when we pray for something we want and it doesn't turn out the way we want it to, then there's got to be something wrong. I, uh, a lot of you guys can identify with this. And I probably won't share this in the 11 o'clock service, but in high school, I was pretty shallow. And so, I, you know, I prayed that all the girls would find me irresistible. And let me tell you, being irresistible is not all it's cracked up to be. It has its own, any of you guys know what I'm talking about there? Amen. I hear a lot of men say, a lot of men say, amen, a lot of women rolling their eyes. Um, so, you know, when you, when you get what you want and it's, it's not what you expected, what do you do? Rebecca was pregnant with twins and you think she's happy, but there's something else going on because the twins are struggling within her womb and she begins to wonder, you know, why am I even here? Why am I born? Why, why is my life t- taking this turn of events? Things are supposed to work out when prayer is answered, not get more complicated. And a lot of times that's how it, it happens. How do we explain that away? Well, you cannot do it easily. Of course, we can just blame it on Rebecca and say, well, she is, you know, she's selfish and, and she whines a lot. And no matter what she has, she's not going to be happy with it. Um, even, I guess, you know, being pregnant turned out to be an imposition on her and she didn't like it. And, you know, I kind of thought that wouldn't be very plausible until I was watching the Today Show Thursday. Did you all see the woman who... Uh, had two children and, and moved to Japan and decided that she didn't want to be married or be a mother anymore. It was, it was amazing. Uh, she wrote a book about it. She, she decided that her career was more important than her family. And so she moved to Japan and her three and five-year-old sons came to visit a couple times. But at the end of her study in Japan and writing the book, I think she, she wrote back and said, I don't want to be a mother anymore. And so basically she distanced herself from her husband and her children. If you want my definition of selfish, look that up in the dictionary and her picture will be there. <clears throat> but so, so, you know, maybe Rebecca was just selfish, but I don't think we can explain it away that, that easily. Um, because there are other places in the Bible, as a matter of fact, a lot of places where prayer results in pain. Moses wanted some help in, uh, dealing with the children of Israel and leading them into the, into the wilderness, out of bondage in Egypt. And he prayed that God would send somebody to help him bear the burden. And God sent him his brother Aaron, who became high priest. And Aaron didn't really help Moses that much. He just added to the problems. 
most times. Um, in the book of Samuel, Samuel comes to God and he pleads on behalf of Israel that they give Israel a king so they can be like all the other nations. God said, am I not sufficient enough for you that you want a king like the other nations? Am I not more to you than a king? And Samuel kept coming back and pleading on behalf of the people for a king. And so God said, okay. And they got Saul. And it wasn't long before Saul lapsed into being a madman. Hosea prayed for a wife. You know that story. Paul wanted to preach in Rome. He wrote, he wrote a letter to Rome and he said, I want to come and preach there, but little did he know that when he arrived in Rome, he'd be in chains. And that's the way it turned out. You know, I was struck by Ashley Taba's testimony. Do you remember hearing that a few weeks ago? She wanted a ministry to Botswana. And at the time, she had a Bible study with a few women in her house. And she kept praying, God, give me a ministry. I, you know, I want to reach these people of Botswana. Her, her heart was, was breaking for the people of Botswana. And who would have known that God used the difficult birth of Caleb and his miraculous healing to give Ashley a ministry, not only in Botswana, but I'm reading emails now from all over the world, from the book that she's written, that's having an impact all over the... She never dreamed that what she prayed for would come about in the way it did. But it came about because of Caleb's birth and the challenges that came as a result of that. With blessing always comes a burden. So where are the answers? Well, I want you to see what Rebecca did. The children, verse 22, the children struggled together within her and she said, if it is thus, why do I live? And here she goes. So she went to inquire of the Lord. She went to the Lord. She didn't turn her back on him when things got rough. She went to the Lord and the Lord answered her and said, two nations are struggling. I promised you one nation, you're going to have two. One will be stronger, that'll be Esau, but Esau will end up serving Jacob. The answer isn't simple, but neither is real life. And to be chosen of God always involves a blessing and a burden. And I can't help but think of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, being the mother of Jesus was the greatest blessing that a human being ever received. But can you imagine the burden that Mary went through with the pregnancy, with, with the delivery, with the people whispering in the community, the struggles that she had as a result of that? Blessing usually comes in the midst of burden. That's why I guess it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, for the joy that was set before him, referring to Jesus, he endured the cross. And there's a, a little saying that you see a lot in Victorian England. It says, no cross, what? No crown. The way to the crown is by way of the cross. You can't skip one and get to the, get to the other. I guess what I wanted to say in our few minutes here this morning is that no one knows the full weight of the burden that you're carrying today except Jesus. And consequently, no one can share in its blessing. With burden comes blessing. That's why Henry Blackaby, and I mentioned it earlier, I like what he says in his prayers. At the end of his prayer, he says, Lord, this is what I want. But if you've got something better in mind for me, I'll take that instead. 
I think that might be paraphrasing what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus basically told God what he wanted. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Because God, you see better and further and you're wiser. And I trust you to do what's best. Philippians 3.10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. We want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. But the fellowship of his suffering not many of us aspire to. But with blessing comes burden. With privilege comes responsibility. And with answered prayer, so often there come challenges. And when those challenges come, realize that God is using them to grow you into the person that he wants to be. So pray, pray and and be honest with God and tell him what you want. But also realize that sometimes he knows what you want isn't what's best for you. And when you pray, you know, God, this is what I want. But if you've got something better in mind for me, I'll take that instead. With blessing comes burden. It happened with Rebecca. It happens to people all through the Bible. And chances are it's happened in your life as well. It's the challenge of answered prayer. I wish every answered prayer would just be perfect and be exactly what we wanted and everything work out. But so often answered prayer means responsibility. Look at John Fair praying for Peru. And God placing the burden of those people on his heart so much that he can't sit at home. With blessing comes responsibility. What's that mean for you? Let's bow together. Father, as we come here this morning, we come to honor you and to express our love and devotion and worship to you. We also want to pray, Lord, that you would hear our prayers and that you would answer in the way that you deem best so often with our our selfish shallow ways we think we know what we want but as has been proven time and again in our lives we we want something we get it and we play with it for a few days and then it's old and we aren't satisfied anymore and that's true in our spiritual lives too we think we want something and we pray for it and And we get it. It's not at all what we expect. So, Father, we are just here this morning to affirm that you know what's best. And we trust you to do that for us always. We're still going to be honest and tell you how we feel. But we're going to leave all that in your hands to take and do with as you see fit. Give us what we need. Provide for us as a father does his children. And when the blessing comes, give us strength to endure it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've got an uh, invitation this morning. I'll be at the front to receive you. If you've had a decision to make public... Maybe you've professed your faith in Jesus Christ this past week. Maybe uh, you need some counsel on how to do that or, or...
rededicate your life.